On a high level, there are two things Nets fans need to see out of the team this offseason. One is something that's in the team's control, and one might be out of their control. We're going to be talking about both of them. First, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every single day. I'll let you know today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code Locked On. I am Doug Nori, owner operator, DFSR.com, here bringing it to you, Nets. Uh, Info, Nets podcasting, Nets everything, seven, or five days a week. Now, I'm a little thrown off because there's no Adam Armbrecht on the show. He is still on a post-season, post-Nets season respite. Uh, we'll be back later in the week for sure. So if I got thrown off a little on the opening, it's just usually because my man Adam is usually the one holding it down on the intros. That's fine. we got tons to talk about here in Nets world as the playoffs go on. Have a little bit to talk about just where things stand in the playoffs. Had an interesting sort of back and forth with folks about Nets world and the fandom today. Want to get to that a little bit later in the show. But to start, definitely wanted to talk about a high level as we get into the offseason, as we really start getting into the nitty gritty of what's going to happen here for Brooklyn this offseason and going forward. Wanted to get into a couple things that Nets fans, I think, can start feeling a little better about or would at least make the prospects for next next season feel a little bit better um, when it comes to things that could happen for Brooklyn this offseason. And for me, just to start as we really start breaking into offseason content and you know, we'll get into the draft and we'll get into other components and free agency and things that can and can happen for this team. For me, they're just really kind of on a high level boiled down to just two things that the Nets Brooklyn folks could feel good about with this offseason if these two things happen. And they have to do with Cameron Johnson and they have to do with Ben Simmons. And I think, you know, to say that the future of the team hinges on what happens with these two guys is probably overstating it a bit. But these are pretty big cogs and in, in in what probably Brooklyn's plans are going forward and what their prospects are just being a competitive team are going forward having to do with these two guys. And they're both at different stages of what's happening in their timelines, both at different stages of like sort of how much is under the team's control and what the team can control and what's sort of out of their control. And they offer an interesting window into what this offseason is going to look like for Brooklyn because in some ways Brooklyn controls you know a lot of what happens here. And in some ways they have no control over what happens here when it comes to these two guys. The first is Cameron Johnson. So obviously – he is a restricted free agent going into this season, comes over in the Kevin Durant trade along with Mikhail Bridges. You know, Nets continued, I think, as they were getting close on that Durant trade to continue to ask more and more. Uh, wanted to get back to youngish, though not super young guys in Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson uh, in that trade. And Cameron Johnson is going to be 27 or he's just turned 27. He'll be 28 midway through or, you know, at the tail end of next season, but Johnson comes over in the trade last year 
and is along with Mikhail Bridges sort of at this point the face of that Kevin Durant trade. Bridges definitely more of the face of it, obviously, going forward. He's more of a sort of cornerstone piece that was added um, and is clearly just, you know, a core part of what the Nets want to go do going forward. But Cameron Johnson offers an interesting window into sort of what can happen here for Brooklyn as well, for a lot of different reasons. One, um, he's kind of like just the kind of player a lot of teams need tall, lanky wing, a rangy wing that can shoot threes, uh, you know, presumably, even though those numbers were down a little bit in Brooklyn can defend the number of positions um, is can sort of get on the ball at times and is just, you know, in some ways, a, the kind of guy that teams need, even though they're never going to be sort of max guys. Like, could Cleveland have used Cam Cameron Johnson here in the postseason? Yeah, that probably would have started to solve a lot of their problems against the Knicks. Like, this is the kind of guy that a lot of teams need. You can get in tricky situations when these guys are free agents because it's a little bit hard to sometimes know how much to pay them, right? Like, it's unlikely they're going to be the third best player on a championship team, but they're also really, really, really good players that have earned the right to play tons and tons of minutes in the NBA. And you can get into weird spots with guys like this because overpaying a player uh, of this caliber can be problematic. Not retaining a player of this, of this uh, caliber can be really problematic. And so when you're the Nets, you're staring at the situation and thinking, well, you know, this is again, a, a, an important piece to the puzzle. We, every team needs this kind of guy, but we're now staring at a restricted free agency situation where the nets are going to have the ability to match any offer that comes in outside for Cameron Johnson. And I think they're going to be in a situation where they're probably going to end up matching it for a lot of different reasons. One is, and I think that's can fans can feel okay with about this. I think that this, you know, in terms of things that need to happen for the team, I think re-signing Cameron Johnson will be, something of a priority for Brooklyn. They've already signaled that to be kind of the case. We could get into a problem with how much money is going to be offered. And I'm that's probably even as we get closer to free agency, a situation we will talk more in depth as more information, but here or comes out, but here at the beginning of the off season, just on a high level, thinking about bringing Cameron Johnson back into the mix does make a lot of different sense for the team. Now, there had been reported that when he was with Phoenix, he turned down a contract extension that was uh, he rejected a four year, seventy two million dollar extension. That was before the the Kevin Durant, Mikhail Bridges uh, or the Kevin, the Suns uh, Nets trade. He turned that down. Um, he looked like he was maybe looking more for 480. I'm using some New York Post reporting for this. Um, and that now in the offseason, he might be looking more for 490, four, four years, 90 million, uh, all according to Brian Lewis of the New York Post. They are going to be able to match this contract. He's eligible for like $8 because he started a bunch of games um, near the end of the year, but he's going to get way more than that. So what he's eligible for and what he'll actually get offered are two totally different things. I think when you're when you're looking at the situation from Brooklyn, when you're looking at their ability to sign free agents, they're already into the cap. Signing free agents is always, already going to be really, really tough. Keep knowing that Cameron Johnson was part of what came over for Kevin Durant. I think that plus what he brings on a skill set level, plus what he brings as just being really good best friends with Mikhail Bridges. These other contextual things almost sometimes add up to more than what even the player is, right? And I think that's important because culturally, and obviously Nets want to talk about culture or have wanted to talk about culture more than any other team in the NBA at times, that I think ends up being an important factor in what's happening here. 
So I think when we get into the offseason and we start looking at possible suitors for Cameron Johnson and what the Nets are going to be willing to do, I think the Nets, and probably rightfully so, um, are going to probably end up maybe even overpaying a little bit for for CJ because of because of what it all beyond just his skill set and beyond just whatever he does in the court. It's sort of like what he represents as a player going getting coming for Kevin Durant, good friends with Mikhail Bridges, wants to be in Brooklyn was able to perform at, at times at a high level in the playoffs. Like he, he checks a lot of boxes anyway um, beyond just like sort of what he brings on the court. And I think those things end up being really important when you're building a team like the Nets are building. Are they on a championship trajectory right now? No, no, they're just, they're not. And I think at that point, when you're in that situation, if you're still willing to spend money, if you're still willing to retain some of the players that are already on your roster, have the Nets gotten all this right now? They didn't bring back Bruce Brown last year. I mean, we can talk about where they've gotten this wrong uh, at times. They've definitely screwed this up uh, for sure. Like Patty Mills over Bruce Brown looks like a real big mistake considering the money was basically the same and what sort of who they were signing compared to what they got back in return. So it's not like the Nets have made all the great decisions when it comes to this. They definitely Marks and company have screwed this up for sure. But with Cameron Johnson, I think they probably see a situation where, hey, this guy came over with KD or K over KD, he's friends with Mikhail. He's a good dude. Like, you know, he's already been out in the community a ton. Um, this is just the kind of player you probably go a few extra dollars on just to retain him. And because, again, when Nets, if Nets really can't let guys walk this offseason and have the ability to sign free agents. So I think when it all said and done, even with some rumblings that Houston could be in the mix for Cameron Johnson's duties, I think Nets fans can feel really good about resigning him. And as we get to free agency, uh, closer to free agency, we'll get more into the situation around Cameron Johnson just because it will be a, a sort of a important move to analyze with where the Nets are. But for now, I think we can go into the offseason probably feeling pretty confident that the Nets are going to retain Cam Johnson, Cameron Johnson going into next year, and that's probably the move. Going to talk a little Ben Simmons and maybe what is out of the Nets' control here going into the offseason we'll talk about that in a second first i'll tell you about our friends over at prize picks every day of the nba playoffs one prize picks user is going excuse me nba playoffs and finals one prize picks user is going to win uh, enter to win a chance at becoming a wait for this one a millionaire one entry placed after 8 a.m eastern will each day will be randomly selected. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. You're going to get six correct, $1 million. Five correct, $80,000. Four correct, $16,000. You must opt in at the link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal. You could be the lucky winner. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you're doing on prize picks is you're picking two to six players who's going to score more or less that prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money. And like I said, get entered to win on the million dollar sweepstakes. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. They got all the sports available too: NBA, MLB, NHL rolling through the playoffs, NFL. When we get back to the fall, PGA got some more majors coming here. It's all there for you on prize picks. Picks can be made in 60 seconds or less. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit a hundred dollars, prize picks will give you a hundred. If you deposit 50 prize picks, will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on for an instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
All right, the other piece that needs to happen here for the Nets, uh, for Nets fans, I think, to feel co- starting to feel comfortable out entering next season, obviously, is centered around Ben Simmons. Actually, in some ways, this is not new news coming down the pike. Ben Simmons has been a talking point for the better part of a year, or calendar year, and even longer uh, when it comes to folks in Nets Nation. It's been uh, a constant source of sort of disgruntlement and frustration and hopes and dreams and still waiting and injury recoveries and all this other stuff that comes along with Ben Simmons coming over uh, in the trade for uh, James Harden. When I said some of these things that have to happen in the offseason for Nets fans to feel better about the situation and going into next year, I said some things are within the team's control and some things are probably outside of the team's control. This one feels at this point like it's outside of the team's control. I don't know how much I look team. No team has real, you know, macro control over injury situations. You can have good training staffs. You can mitigate some of the risks, but risks in the NBA happen or see me injuries happen in the NBA. That's just the way it is. Um, and so teams only control that to a point. And then also, teams you know when it comes to injury recovery or getting re-injured i mean what can you possibly do if a guy's going to get injured looking at the simmons situation right now he you know it's become something of a talking point over the last few days he's been uh sending ig reels um, and updates from hhs training center uh he's been staying you know he's working out in brooklyn he's been sending really early morning pics about what's been happening with his training regiment as a signal to possibly like, Hey, I'm training right now and I'm working hard. I'm, I'm in the gym. Okay, great. That's good to hear. I'm glad that he's, he's, you know, in that situation, I'm glad that there's, you know, work being done uh, sort of on a basketball level. I mean, those for what it's worth, they were just pictures of the gym. They weren't actually uh, of him working out or not, not like he's required to do any of that. He's not required to send, you know, training picks. Uh, we know that NBA players like to do this off season, off-season workout stuff is a sort of hilarious montage of guys trying to build their own personal brands or just whatever's happening uh, with certain caliber of player that like to sort of front run on whatever they're doing in the offseason. I got no problem with it. I it's just like I, sometimes I think that whole thing uh, is a little bit funny. And hey, if I was an NBA player, I'd probably do it too because yeah, I'm an NBA player and I'm working out and I'm you know want to show off what I'm doing. So I, t- I totally get it. These ones weren't of that nature, but they were a signal that Simmons is continuing to work and he's on a schedule where the Nets have come out and said that they're trying to, you know, rehab and get him better and get him ready for the next season. The reason it's a talking point this offseason is because I think obviously for a lot of different reasons, the narrative around Simmons, I think in some ways this offseason sort of has to change. It has to. And and look, and some of these things are never going to be able to happen until it's on the court. And it's like 20 straight games of being awesome. Like I, I, there's probably in the end, that's probably what the real story is, right? Like it just has to be on the court. It has to be high level. It has to look great. And until, and it has to look great for like an extended period of time. And until that happens, maybe no training or no narrative or nothing else or anything else will ever be good enough when it comes to Ben Simmons. I I, I'm here for that reality. I, I, I totally understand that. I do think though, to feel better as a fan going and probably just feel better if you're Brooklyn brass going into next season, there has to be, I would think like something of a dynamics shift around Simmons and some of the narrative stuff around what's going on with him. We have multiple off seasons 
of just like not really knowing what's going on with him and just like hoping that things were going to get better. Clearly he's, you know, still recovering from micro uh, disectomy. Like I, that the timeline on that has been reported to be like around 18 months to full recovery. That timeline is not, you know, 12 to 18 months, I believe was the number. That number is, he's not there at this point with, uh, <laughs> with that. So like, maybe until that point hits, we're all still kind of waiting and seeing when it comes to Simmons. Uh, may, and maybe that's, maybe that's as much of the timeline as anything else. Like he just, you know, he has to get full, he has to get fully out from the timeline of where the recovery was going to be. And until then, maybe all topics are mute. I, I, mute. I don't think that's the really the case, but I wouldn't blame you if you came out and said, yeah, that's what, that's where we should all be waiting for. The problem with Simmons is, like we have so many years worth of sort of not being able to trust what the talk is or the what's showing up off the court and then what shows up on the court and even prior to the injury. So like, like I, that's just the case. Like that's sort of his history in the NBA that I think it almost feels like the narrative around him has to change around things that he says about, what he's doing or how he's getting better. Some of that might be like admitting flaws that his game has had in the past or things that might've not gone perfectly. Look, not everyone has to get out there and admit every you know negative thing that's ever happened to you in your whole life. I clearly don't want to do that in my own life either. So I, I get it, but we have so many years worth of sort of Simmons narrative that hasn't lived up to, hasn't lived up to what the Simmons camp talking points are that it actually would be an interesting tonal shift to get a different kind of Simmons as a forward facing kind of guy going into this off season to start feeling like there were going to be fundamental changes. Is that going to happen? There's no evidence up to this point that it's going to like, we haven't ever seen it. So I, until that's the case, like I don't believe that we'll ever get it. I do think though, that from a Nets fan point of view, I think that would go really far in changing the outlook of like what you felt about Ben Simmons, whether you're pro for or you know, excuse me, for against or like sort of on the fence because that's what we've never really gotten with Simmons. We've never gotten a sort a narrative change for his situation. And if there was ever a summer and an off season to put that in place or to have it do it, this is it. This is the off season. Change what's happening here. Come out and you know speak clearly in, about the situations that have happened for him in the past, both on a positive, negative level. Talk about what the future in Brooklyn looks like. Talk about goals and stuff. I think those things would go a long way in changing how maybe the fan base or the organization feel about the prospects of Simmons getting back to be the player he is. Because at this point, you know, hey, look, five a.m videos or shots of, of the training center. It's awesome. I, I'm all for it. Look, no one wants Simmons to be great more than us. Be, the reason is very simple. Actually, if Simmons is great, the Nets will be a lot better. Like that is a very clear thing. We're pro Simmons here. Like everyone in this podcast and in this, these camps wants Simmons to be great. It's, it'd be silly to claim otherwise. Like there's just no chance. Sometimes just speaking in realistic terms around Simmons makes it feel like it's anti the player. It's really not. Like it has nothing to do with that. It's just that this offseason, among all the other ones, when the stakes are a little lower, when you know the team is at a different point, where the the aspirations for this squad are different than we've seen in the past, this would be the time for Ben Simmons to come out and sort of change how the overall narrative is for him as a player going forward. I think there's a real opportunity to do it, and we'll see if that's the case. And close out the episode here in a second. 
talking about Nets fans and when it, where they're related to the New York Knicks, because I've had some interesting interactions today where that was concerned. We'll talk about that in a second. All right, closing out the episode here. Um, game one. This is you know a couple hours removed of the Miami Knicks uh, first uh, game one of the second round series. Miami going into MSG facing the Knicks. I know this is a Nets podcast, but I think it's neck. It, this Knicks game is Nets relevant from a New York City standpoint because it really brings up a lot of feelings. I think around the fan base, around like sort of like how to handle opposing teams in the playoffs. Our our team, our I said our. You know, the Nets are out of the playoffs. You still want to watch hoops. Sometimes it's hard to know sort of where your allegiances fall or what you want to root for. Maybe you're just like me and you want to see good hoops and you're just tuning into that on a night to night basis because, you know, rooting for basketball is rooting for basketball and you want to see cool stories. You want to see cool shots. You want to see competitors like playing their absolute best. You know, this Steph Curry performance that he put on uh, in the closeout game against Sacramento being an example of that. It's like you want to sit there and hope that when you tune into basketball games, you're going to see a guy like Steph Curry drop 50 because I think that's cool. I, you know, I don't it's hard to imagine people rooting against it. I guess some do, but I just, don't, I, you know, I don't really know who those people are. But when it comes to the Knicks, I think that has some Nets fans, you know, quasi turned about it. or Maybe not turned. Maybe it's for you. It's very obvious where you stand on the Nets, uh, just Nets versus Knicks rivalry and how you feel about the situation with the Knicks still being in the playoffs and the Nets being out of it. I put out a tweet that I asked, you know, is it, is it ever acceptable for the Nets, for Nets fans to root uh, for the Knicks? Like, is this a good time? They're playing the Heat. You know, it's at home. Um, it's second round. Nets are out of it. Is this a time where Nets fans can actually root for the Knicks? I, I got a ton of responses. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of responses here. But like, um, uh, and it wasn't a, it wasn't put out as a poll. It was put out as a just sort of a general question to see sort of where people landed with this. Now I will say the overwhelming answer here was no, like there's no situation where then there's no situation where Nets fans should ever root for the Knicks. I will say it's interesting around this because it had much more to do with the fan bases than it had to do with the actual players. Like anyone that was willing to ring in with the reasoning behind why this, uh, why there shouldn't be any root, any cross rooting, uh, cross town rooting for their team actually had little to do with like guys like Brunson or Josh Hart or Mitch Robb or, or RJ. It had more to do with not wanting anything to good, anything good to happen for the fan base, um, which I find to always be interesting. Like, it's almost like there's two separate entities happening here. There's the team itself, which is the Knicks, which you might be sort of like agnostic on, you know, just land where you're going to land with the Knicks. And then there's the fan base that that's fans just never, ever want to deal with. I can totally see those two things being completely different when it comes to talking about sort of how the teams, how you operate from a fan perspective when it comes to this, because it's like, yeah, you might not actually care too much about what the Knicks do as a team, like in a vacuum, it's like doesn't really matter. It's that you just don't want to hear it from Knicks fans at all. So I think that what, clearly the overwhelming answer, maybe not even overwhelming, the majority answer was that you should never root for, you should never ever root for the Knicks. The other, the next most popular answer I would say among people that kind of rang in was 
you know, just sort of like this New York pride kind of situation. Now there was pushback there that said, yeah, anyone that's saying that's a transplant and, you know, you don't live in New York, you're not a real New Yorker and it's impossible to root for the two teams. Uh, look, I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> you can kind of do what you want. It's a free, free will and all. Um, but that did, that, that was, that answer was put out much more than I thought it was going to be around like what, it, how realistic it was to root for the other team. Like if you, it's good enough to root for New York. I, a lot of Knicks and Nets fans are like inner family things. You know, you got a, fathers who were Knicks fans and then younger folks who started rooting for the Nets when they came to Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, you had definitely New Jersey transplants coming into this who might care a little bit less about like the Brooklyn, New York rivalry uh, when it, along geographic lines. Uh, so I did think that was like an interesting answer. And then the third one was just like, Hey, it's just cool. Like, let's just root for basketball and it's all good. And where people that didn't like the heat. And I thought the answers were more wide ranging. I did think personally, I, I did, I was under the impression that we were going to get much more in the world of no chance you should ever root for the Nets or so, uh, no chance you can ever in your right mind root for the Knicks. And that is still the most popular of all the answers for sure. Um, but, it wasn't as overwhelming as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be an overwhelming response. Like, no way you're crazy. Like it's just, there's no chance in the world. I'd rather see horrible things happen. Never see and ever see the Knicks win. I really, I thought that would be like 90 of every hundred answers would be something like that. And that just didn't end up being the case. I think there's a lot of people out there that just want to see good hoops that you want. You know, maybe you like the New York connection Maybe it's just like you're not you're rooting for cool. Like if you're like me, you're rooting for cool outcomes more than anything else. Like you just want to see good games, right? Like I, I think when I was watching Miami and the Knicks play in this game, I thought to myself, I, I wasn't didn't matter to me too much who was going to win, um, as long as like the game was good and competitive, and the game really was like that. It was a really good competitive game, grinded out sort of Heat Knicks affair that you would think that it would be. Um, and I, you know, for the most part, I thought the basketball was really engaging. MSG was rocking very, very early in the game. Uh, Brunson ended up struggling and, you know, him and Hart couldn't hit a three to save their life. Oh, for 11. Um, but in general, when we're wa I was watching the game, I was thinking, hey, I just want to see like these teams really compete. Like this would be fun to see this go seven. These are two teams that probably are punching a little bit above their weight at this point. Maybe heat. I mean, definitely the heat more than the Knicks, but got teams that definitely deserve to be here at this point just with how they play in the playoffs and maybe that's good enough but there's going to be a group of people out there that are going to see the new york nick thing and see msg and think of spike and think of all this you know the knicks fan base and never going to be able to get over that and i totally get that too but i think it does set up interesting narratives around how the rest of these playoffs will go in terms of how nets fans are going to position themselves in rooting for these other teams. Cause you also got, I mean, another one that just people just dropped in with the anti Philly stuff right away too. Like didn't even ask about them, but people were happy to jump on the, you know, as long as it's not the Sixers, <laughs> you know, like the, if it's the Sixers and Knicks, like that's, and then we're clearly going Knicks. Cause like no one wants to see the Sixers win. So I did think that people lobbing Sixer grenades uh, from the sidelines was pre pretty funny as well. Just funny though, to just see, like to think about the NBA landscape and the way that it is now and how some of it's drawn along geographical lines. Some of it's drawn along conference lines. Some of it's drawn along fandom lines. Like if you just don't like the fan base, then you're just willing to not like the team itself. Some of it's drawn like historical lines, like you're into history or you're looking to see how history history is upended. I think there's lots of cool ways to root for basketball at this point. And I think Brooklyn, and Brooklyn fans offer an interesting window into that because 
they're out of it, but we have ties to, you know, as a fan base, have ties to some other teams that are still in it. And there might be certain ways you feel about that. So just cool stuff going on. I'm happy to have NBA basketball in my life every single night, be able to watch it and talk about it. And I don't know, I don't know, open up your heart maybe a little bit. And if you're, especially if you're dislike those Knicks fans in your life and you want to, I don't know, maybe a little positivity maybe goes a long way or not. Or just keep hating them and uh, <laughs> and willing wishing for their demise because that makes you feel good. Either way, hoops are on every night. All right, we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll get into some more offseason stuff. We're a couple weeks away probably from getting into draft stuff um, in terms of how the Nets drafting might end up shaking out this offseason. So we'll definitely be getting into that always off season stuff, you know, the nets too. Like there's just, this stuff comes around the corner every single day. So we'll be getting into more basketball later on in the week for Adam Armbrecht for Doug Norrie. Make sure you subscribe to locked on nets over on YouTube, uh, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well. The podcast is free because you guys and gals hit subscribe and you hit like on YouTube. And that's how, uh, we continue to bring this to you every single day, uh, covering Nets basketball even through the offseason. So make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen. Adam Armbrecht is the one that brings out the quotes every single time. So he's one of the all-time great poets. We will be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>